Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Speak the Truth podcast. I am your co-host, Matt Tardio. Rob is out of town today. He will not be back until Monday. Is Russia running out of ammunition and supplies? Very serious question. We already know that Russia has sourced a lot of its munitions from Iran, specifically drones. They've been able to get a lot of drones from Iran. Now Russia's going over to the DPRK, right? And 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 they're 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 attempting to get weapons. Shogu was over there. Uh, I want to say it was just a couple of days ago, and we're going to touch on that in just a minute. Before we get into that, um, I also want to tell you that further on, we're going to actually touch on Tucker Carlson's interview that he had with the Prime Minister of Hungary. Elon Musk actually shared this tweet the other day, and the Prime Minister of Hungary ends up running his mouth and saying that Ukraine's losing the war and Tucker is kind of buying into all this crap. Now, what Tucker probably knew, somebody had to tell him is how deeply in bed with the Hungarian prime minister is with Vladimir Putin. And we're going to touch on that. First, let's jump over to the front line and I'm going to show you kind of what's going on as far as movement is concerned up over on the front line. I'm going to go ahead and open up the deep state, or I'm sorry, not the deep state, the ISW map for you. Hopefully you can see it up over here on your screen. Now, to get everybody up to par before we go diving in, obviously over in the Zaporizhia Oblast, we have the offense, the, the, the offensive that's been taking place by Ukrainian forces outside of Robotny. Um, we have seen troops that Russia has redeployed and recommitted from Kyrgyzstan and push them over up into Robotny. We also know that Russia has taken troops from further east out here um, over by, what was it, Staryomyorsk, and they have redeployed them over towards Robotny. Um, they have some offensive operations the Russians do up in the north. They're kind of keeping Ukraine on their toes. So first, let's go over here. Let's go to um, the Kyrgyzstan area. We're going to talk about this. So um, earlier this week, uh, we know some Ukrainians did cross the river um, and planted a flag, a Ukrainian flag on the other side. They were inside of a building. Didn't really look like there was that much going on with it, though, and we haven't seen anything else uh, reporting-wise coming out of the Kyrgyzstan front in order to suggest that Ukraine's making any sort of like solid movement across the front lines over there. Let's go up over here towards Robotny and talk about the big change uh, that's happening on the battlefield, and that is the move on Robov. Um, I've seen a couple different videos um, from down in this general area in between the two towns, a little bit further to the south, um, of Ukrainian troops kind of moving freely in the open. And I suggest that they moved a lot of the Russian troops out of the area and that they're not too much worried about some of the shelling that's taking place. So I think Ukrainians have a very decent control over this area down here to the south. Now, the one exception is going to be this this red space here in between these two towns. So there's Robotny and there's the next one um, traveling further south. Like we said, they're only about two kilometers separation, some, something around there um, in between these two towns. Now, the Ukrainians are continuing to fight and shell with the Russians down in this area and haven't really been able to make any significant gains. And truth be told, I don't think that is Ukraine's goal to make specific gains in this area right now as much as it is to draw attention of the Russians and start getting them to commit some of their forces and troops to keep Ukraine from punching through over there because their actual goal is probably this town of Verbove over here. Now, uh, two days ago, Ukraine did a huge penetrating move right down this Russian line of defense. You can see it carrying all the way over here. And they came in on this road and they were about 500 meters outside of Verbov a couple of days ago. Now, Russia is claiming that 
um, they took, I want to say it was like seven Abrams tanks out, something like that. Uh, the problem with Russia saying that they took seven, several Abrams tanks out of this area is that none of the Abrams tanks have been deployed into the Ukrainian theater yet. As a matter of fact, those Abrams tanks are sitting inside of Poland and they're not scheduled to get onto the front until about mid September. And the Abrams tanks that they're going to commit in mid September is likely only about 10 to 15 of the over 30 that the U S provided to Ukraine. So mid September, we are likely to see some Abrams tanks coming up to the line, which is a good thing because I'm currently reading reports of about 50 Bradley fighting vehicles that were lost in the battle for Robotny. So that's a pretty significant hit to the armor itself. Now, the U.S. is going to be replenishing those vehicles here in the near term. And it very well could be a lot of propaganda for that number of the, the 50 Bradleys that got destroyed. So I just want to say that right now. But as far as estimates go, that's what I've got um, as far as um, equipment of Ukraine being lost in that area. There's a lot more, but it's pretty significant if that number is true. So Abrams should be moving up to the front sometime in the near future. Um, within the next two weeks here. So we should be able to see those on the front lines and Ukraine should be getting some more brads coming in. Now, the battle for Verbov, nothing so much has really been taking place. And I think that has a lot to do with Ukraine doing some reorganization after the brutal uh, fight that took place outside of Robotny. Um, likely, Ukraine is going to push into Verbov and start fighting for it. Now, Russia itself is not... Um, Russia itself is not just going to let Ukraine roll over top. They have their main headquarters element uh, for a lot of the war down here in Tokmok. And they've moved their airborne troops into the area. They've moved troops from the east in the area. They've moved troops from the west into the area. They've moved troops from all the way down here in Crimea up into the area in an attempt to combat and slow Ukraine's assault down. And they've done a good job slowing it down. However, I don't think it's going to last very long. Like I said in the beginning of this podcast, we have um, Russia going over the DPRK and attempting to get munitions out of them. So we'll see how that goes in the future. Let's scroll up this map just a little bit and let's go check out Starry Morsk. Nothing has happened in this direction. And that suggests several different things. Now, the commander, um, the Russian commander, we talked about him a couple days ago. He was complaining about um, Ukraine able to take some some terrain over here because Russia decided that they were going to flex their troops down to Robotny, and that's what he blamed it on. Could be true, could be false, I don't know. But either way, Ukraine hasn't been making a lot of significant territorial gains in the last uh, week to two weeks over here either. That suggests to me that they're also flexing some of these troops, potentially flexing some of these troops down to the Robotny area to help out with that battle. Um, Russia itself isn't really in a position to push forward and take more terrain. They're barely able to hold on to what they have there. So this is likely to be a stalemate area for quite some time. If we go and we look outside of Bakhmut, something interesting did kind of take place. Uh, where did we go? Oh, almost lost. Got, got a little confused on the map there for a second. So something interesting has taken place over in Bakhmut. Now, it's not very significant, but it is good for the troops that are on the ground over there. They have assessed now control of about 50% of that village of Klashivka, which is going to be a hard fought probably to get the second half. Will they take it? Probably. How long it's going to take? Nobody knows because it, it looks like Ukraine's devoting a lot of the fighting down to the south and just kind of keeping Russia on its toes back up over here in this area. Um, nothing new to the north outside of Bakhmut. That whole area um, hasn't really seen any significant terrain changes in the last month or so. Let's go up north outside of Kupiansk. Now, I did opine a while ago, and I 
do love that I'm standing corrected on this. I thought Russia was going to roll in and take this this uh, town right here and then push over into Kupiansk. However, it appears that Russia hasn't been able to make any significant gains along the Kupiansk front. As a matter of fact, it appears that they're in more or less of a stalemate at this point. Ukraine's doing a good job of stopping them. Russia made the decision to open up this big, massive front and hasn't been able to push through anywhere. Ukraine's done a good job holding them back. I saw an estimate that Ukraine has lost right around uh, 700 troops um, since Russia opened up this assault. But again, uh, that's not coming from Ukraine. That's coming from unconfirmed sources and people just speculating. So however many troops Ukraine's lost up here is really unknown. Now, I did see some interesting reporting um, coming up from down here south of Kupiansk that suggests that Russia is doing some shaping operations um, down in that area, but not a whole lot going on. I think Russia's got its hands tied up pretty pretty well tied up down into the south. Now, I told you I believe I told I told you that I believe that Russia is kind of running out of weapons and equipment. I don't think they have a shortage of manpower. Their country is massive. They have lots of people that they can go abduct and, and send up to the front lines, criminals and what have you. All right, but I do think that Russia itself is running out of a little bit of equipment. Here is a statement from U.S. embassies and consulates in Russia. They just came out. This report is from August 30th of this year, and it says, let me open this up for you guys so you can see it. Now, it says that Russia went to the DPRK in the last uh, days, actually sent Shogu over there, and it wasn't just for a photo opportunity. The Shogu is actually looking at um, getting artillery rounds from the DPRK. That's concerning for several reasons. Let me let me dive in here and, and show you some of the statements that uh, the the U.S. Embassy in Russia has, has uh, kind of stated. Uh, we are here today to share new, deeply troubling information. Arms negotiations between Russia and the DPRK are actively advancing, as was highlighted during Friday's council meeting. Russian Minister of Defense Shogu stood beside Kim Jong-un during the DPRK's recent military parade, which showcased the DPRK's Security Council uh, prohibited ballistic missile advancement. It is shameful that the Russian Federation, a permanent member of the Security Council, participated in celebration of the DPRK's continued pursuit of nuclear weapons delivery systems. The United States is now able to share the Shogu's visit was more than just a photo op. Russia has used the visit to the DPRK to try and convince Pyongyang to sell artillery ammunition to Russia. Since then, Vladimir Putin and Kim Jong-un have exchanged letters pledging to increase their bilateral cooperation. Our information further indicates that following Shogu's visit, another group of Russian officials traveled to the DPRK to follow up discussions about potential arms deals between the DPRK and Russia. If you look and say that Russia has all of these troops up on the front line, that they've got an extra couple hundred thousand in reserves that they, they decided not to commit, don't underestimate Russia. I don't think Russia has the ability to outfit those troops. I think the estimates of Russia's losing hundreds of thousands of troops with that, when you lose those troops, you're likely losing uh, equipment along with them, right? So Russia's lost hundreds of thousands of troops. It's no secret. And they don't have the ability to refit the people up on the front line. And they're running out of artillery shells. Russia is firing an insane amount of artillery shells right now just to hold Ukraine where it's at, trying to keep them back from that assault. Meanwhile, the West is supplying Ukraine with a, a fathomable amount of artillery and equipment coming in. 
So Russia is now, they have sourced drones out of Iran and they're sourcing equipment and artillery out of the DPRK. I don't think they're going to be sourcing troops out of the DPRK, but they're definitely trying to get uh, weapons out of there. They're trying to get artillery shells. So that is likely the reason we're not seeing a lot of Russian advances and Ukraine is able to start pushing back. I think they're starting to dry up a little bit. I think all their, their, their Soviet area supply and all this other crap that they have is starting to dry up quite a bit to the point where they're now sending Shogu over to the DPRK to give them weapons. Now, this is a problem for the United States government. Uh, we, the, the U.S. government is, is generally in fear that if we start taking, uh, if, if Russia starts taking weapons uh, from the DPRK, that they might have some security agreement that allows them to then start sharing uh, nuclear secrets. And that's kind of troubling. All right, moving on a little bit from that talking point, let's go back over here and I want to open up something for you. Now, Elon Musk yesterday, he shared a tweet from Tucker Carlson uh, from his account, and it's a video of Tucker speaking with the prime minister of Hungary. I'm going to open this up for you guys, and I'm going to play a little excerpt of it. And we're going to talk about why this is a load of crap. Let's listen in on Tucker Foreign Ukraine completely reshuffles the world order and threatens to destroy human civilization, it's striking just how little information Americans are receiving about what happens there. Yeah, I'm going I'm to pause it right here and just say that Tucker Carlson annoys the living crap out of me. I don't know about you guys. I know he's got a lot of fans, but it kind of annoys me. And the, the, the reason I'm bringing this up is because the amount of influence that Tucker Carlson actually has. It's a lot. And he's spewing a lot of crap right now. And we need to go ahead and cut that out before it gets too far. Let's keep going. And I, but I do agree with him, though, that Americans, by and large, are, are pretty uninformed as far as Ukraine goes. We found that out when we walked in the streets. People are more concerned with the trash force than uh, Ukraine. Let's, let's hear about it. The nation of Hungary shares a border with Ukraine. Its leader, Viktor Orban, the nation's longest serving prime minister, has been dealing with the Russians all of his life. He grew up under Russian occupation. As a young man, he was arrested and thrown into jail by Russian-backed police for his efforts to liberate the country. So Viktor Orban has been in office for quite some time and continues to get reelected. And I'm about to show you a report in a little bit uh, that goes over why he continues to get reelected. And it has nothing to do with the people voting for him and everything with him to uh, be rigging the elections. So there's that. Now, Tucker is trying to lay grounds that Orban obviously doesn't like Russia because he got arrested at an earlier age um, back during you know the Soviet era. However, um, Orban is still very much um, closely affiliated with Putin and his country is in desperate need of Russian oil. Uh, and I'll, I will touch a little bit more on this in just a sec. As prime minister, he's dealt regularly with Vladimir Putin, whose nation supplies Hungary with most of its energy. Viktor Orban understands Russia and Ukraine. So two years after we last spoke to him, we returned to Hungary to sit down with Prime Minister Viktor Orban and ask him what exactly is happening in Ukraine right now. Here's what he said. So in the United States, um, the view is that Ukraine is winning this war. It doesn't sound like that's true. No, it's a lie. It's not just a misunderstanding. It's a lie. It's impossible. Everybody who's in politics and understand the logic, the figures, the data, no way. Why is it impossible? Because that way, the Ukrainian, the poor Ukrainians die every day. Yes. Hundreds and thousands, you know. So I'm, my heart is with them. So it's, 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 uh, it's tragedy. It's tragedy for Ukraine. But they will run out earlier 
-hmm. from the soldiers, number of soldiers, than the Russians. What finally will count is boots on the ground. And the Russians are far stronger. So you're saying the Russians are far stronger because of boots on the ground. Russians do have lots of people on the ground in Ukraine. And hundreds of thousands reported in reserve. Ukraine, not so much. Right? And they have a smaller pool to pull those people from. However, Ukraine is backed by the West. Now, if we look at the amount of territory that Russia has been kicked out of so far, it's pretty significant. And that territory was taken when Russia didn't have the chance to dig in thoroughly. And Ukraine was able to kick them out last year and do a hell of a roll over across. I think everybody was very impressed with the amount of terrain that Ukraine took. Now they've gotten to a location where Russia has been digging in for the last year plus, right? They have been digging in, they've been defending this territory and setting it up for the eventual assault that Ukraine would get to. And they, they dug in hard. And it is much more difficult for a military, especially in a conventional war, to be fighting against an enemy that's dug in. It's easier to defend than it is to assault. You are going to have far more greater troop losses during an assault as the assaulting force than you are as the defending force unless you get overran and have positions taken, which we have currently seen. Russia is flexing their troops from all around the country trying to stop Ukraine. They're doing it. Russia's, Russia's ammunition supply is depleting. They're going to the DPRK to get ammunition. And if Russia had that many hundreds of thousands of troops and reserves, why haven't they equipped them and sent them in to hold the terrain that they desperately want? There's numerous reports that you can see of Russian soldiers that get issued one magazine. Hell, the whole reason Wagner got pissed off is because the, the, the Moscow wasn't supplying them with, with, with equipment and ammunition. They got pissed. They made videos about it. And, and, and they got upset and tried to, 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 to roll on Moscow. Now, he's, he's about to go into the statement here in a minute. I, I'll save you from watching it. But he's about to, you know what, maybe, you know what yeah, uh, let's, let's, pull, let's listen to what he's got to say. Numerous, more numerous. There's more of Ukrainians. Many more. So, so this strategy that we are just supporting is a, is a bad engineering of the strategy. So if the Biden administration has said our goal is to beat Russia, is to affect regime changes, to kill Putin and take him out of power. You know, they misunderstand uh, probably the Russians. You know, to understand the Russians, it's a difficult thing, especially if you have a, an ocean between you and Russia. Uh, so, so when we speak about politics, I, I mean Westerners, what is the focus point of our conversation? The focus point is freedom. How to provide more and more freedom to the people. Yes. Uh, when you speak elections. on politics in Russia, this is not the number one issue. The number one issue, how to keep together the country. I'm not talking about US elections, I'm talking about Because country is very big. And, and, and there's a privilege of the question how to keep together the country. And not freedom. Freedom is just another issue. Second, third, whatever. First, keep the country together. And that's generate a different kind of culture and understanding of politics. That's create a, a kind of military approach like yes. they have. Always on security, safety, buffer zone, geopolitical approaches. It's not, it's not our culture. It's a different approach. It's legitimate to have that because it's their history. But we have to understand that we cannot beat them 
as we do just now. It's impossible. They will not kill their leader. They will never give it up. They will keep together the country and they will defend it. We finance more, they will invest more. If we, if we send more technical equipments, they will produce more. So don't misunderstand the Russians. So they're not... Yeah, don't, don't misunderstand the Russians, right? Don't misunderstand them because if they run out of stuff, they're just going to produce more. Yet they're sourcing stuff from Iran and they're sourcing stuff from North Korea because they can't. They don't have it. They don't have the ability. They just don't. And him talking about Russia wanting to keep the country together is crap. All right? When, when our man Prigozhin decided that he wanted to, to turn around and ride on Russia, it wasn't like there was a bunch of Russians that were going to stop him right away. As a matter of fact, he convinced a rather large group of people that were pissed off to ride on Moscow. Granted, they were under his command, but they did it of their own free will. Suggesting that the Russians are trying to keep Russia together and that they want to keep Russia together it is easily countered by what Prigozhin did. It is insane to me that this man thinks that, 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 that the Russians are just absolutely in love with Putin and they will keep him in power because they want to keep Russia where it's at. It's absurd. So let's jump back over here because I want to show you something. I want to show you an article that came out not too long ago. Make sure I got the right one pulled up. That's not it. Here we go. Let me come up to the top. This is from The Hill. Viktor Orban's dilemma. Turn towards the West or remain with Putin. Now, Hungary is a member of NATO. And at one point in time, okay, well, one, he, he has been opposed to Ukraine joining NATO. All right, let's just get that out of the way. At one point in time, Zelensky asked him to take a stance. And he wouldn't do it. He said it's not in the best interest of Hungary to side with him. So in this article, I'm going to save you a lot of reading out loud, but it talks about why he's corrupt and where his corruption and stuff comes from, where it all goes. I encourage you to look at it. I'll probably actually link this uh, in the description because I, I just find it that, you know what, I will. I'll link this in the description for you to go over and read over. Orban and Putin also share a deep-seated hostility to Ukraine. Both accuse Ukraine of seizing their historical territories both have also denounced Ukraine's language law requiring school children to be educated in the nation's official language. Both Hungarian and Russian diplomats have issued passports to Ukrainian citizens in blatant violation of Ukrainian law. And just as Putin, con just as Putin continually emphasizes the illegitimacy and instability of the Ukrainian state, so too Orban questioned Ukraine's statehood by labeling it a no man's land and an Afghanistan and referring it as financially non-existent if funding were to stop. Some of Orban's pro-Putin feelings derive from his desire to preserve and enhance Hungary's business interest. Hungary continues to acquire 85% of its gas and 65% of its oil from Russia. They're dependent on Russia for oil and gas. Orban is also beholden to Putin for having recently extended a $13 billion loan for construction of a nuclear plant at very favorable terms. 
I can't express this to you enough. Anything I say, look into it. Tell me I'm wrong. You guys do it all the time in the comments. I'm, I'm, I'm cool with it. I put up a video the other day. It was a little bit old. Thought it was new. My bad. Um, when you see things like Tucker Carlson put information out or when you see other major news networks or, or whoever that are putting things out, look into it. Look into it. Hungary is not supportive of Ukraine, whether they're a member of NATO or not. The man himself is pretty corrupt. And in addition to that, he's a freaking short of him coming out and saying I'm with President Putin. Like he has done pretty much everything to support Russia prior to this conflict and throughout it. All good on Tucker. I, I agree with him on several areas saying that a lot of Americans are uninformed. They are. However, we're also not stupid and we can do a little bit of a research. When I heard this guy, when I heard Ban spitting this crap out, I had to go and I had to look up his past history, and it wasn't too hard to find. Do your own research. Hopefully Ukraine starts taking some more ground in the next couple of days. I am out. I am going to go take myself a nice little weekend vacation, hang out with the family. Thank you guys for stopping in. Love your support. Don't forget to like, comment, and share. Peace, love, and happiness. I am gone.